0: I just wanted to thank everybody um, for being here today. I want to thank Brother Hoffman. Um, he's not able to be here today, and a lot of the ministry staff isn't able to be here today. But I just I wanted to thank you for, for trusting me in the middle of all of this to come in and minister to you today. And I want to thank you as well. Give yourselves a hand just for being here. Right? We know uh, the 1130 crowd is my kind of crowd, just so you know. I'm not a, I'm not a 915 crowd. Uh, type of person. I think those people are crazy, but uh, I'm glad to see that the uh, the afternoon crowd who are my kind of people are here today because you got a little bit longer to sleep. Um, I, I just wanted to, uh, I'm going to start off in the best way that I know how, and that is to kind of let you know what's been going through my heart and my mind. In Dearborn, we are grown. We've got a lot of new young people um, we look at our platform, the average age is like 20 years old, so I'm excited about what God is doing, and uh, thank you for being part of our journey. I say the average age, it would be younger, but uh, the man who drove me here today, Brent, is old, so he, um, he, he had to be my chauffeur today. My wife is actually speaking at our church this morning And uh, so you might be wishing you were in Dearborn this morning, but you get me instead. She's the prettier, better half, and she's there. And so I want to kind of open us up today. Um, I know we've already prayed, but I want you, if you would, could we just go to Lord in Prayer and let God enter into what he's wanting to do today? Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to go to Lord in Prayer today. I believe God has a word for us today. I really do. Otherwise, we might as well skip this whole process. But God is going to do something for us today. Can we just lift up our hands and can we just ask God that he would do something in us? Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would move before us. God, we're here not just out of obligation. We're here because we desire to be in your presence. We desire to be around people of like precious faith. And we desire to hear your word and let that word take root inside of our hearts. God, help me to deliver the word with meekness today and help your people receive the engrafted word today with meekness. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our church, we have a table instead of a pulpit. And it's because a couple of years ago, I preached a sermon series called Welcome to the Table. And the whole idea was you might like, you know, when you go home, you get a home-cooked meal or when your parents fix something. Usually, my, my mom didn't fix multiple things. She just said, here's what it is. My mom had this thing. She was an awful cook, just so we're up front. Um, she would admit that herself. She worked a hard job. And so she said, look, I work at a, at a factory. And if you want a, a gourmet meal, you go get an education. Do it yourself. So my, my mom's just, she, she presented what she presented. She used to make something called boiled dinner. Boiled dinner was awful, just so you know. She would put sausage and cabbage, whatever she could find, basically. Just boil it all and say, here's your food. And oh, my Lord, I remember as a kid just absolutely hating it. And know what she would say? If you don't like it, don't eat it. But I'm not fixing something else. And at our church, we have a table because I I want to be able to deliver a word. I want to be able to do it with meekness. And the idea is this is what gets served and if you don't like it, don't eat it. But this is what gets served at the table, right? And so today, I want to serve the best of my ability, what I feel God has put on my heart. And I believe it's our responsibility to take that, ingest it, and see what God will do with it. There's a quote that I read not too long ago um, in a book. It was really a book. It was an article by John Maxwell. And it, it simply had a, it's actually, it actually was posted by a lady on Facebook. And so, yes, my sermon today comes from a meme off of Facebook. And I know I'm not proud of that, but yes, it is a reality. So I wrote it down and it simply said this. It was John Maxwell It was talking about leading through a crisis. How many of you realize that we're kind of in a little bit of chaos right now? Anybody kind of feel that? How many of you have been to a grocery store? Just kind of raise your hand. You've been to a grocery store this, this last couple of weeks or months Anybody notice how angry everybody is? And like, you you walk in, you almost feel attacked by everybody. If you're wearing a mask, if you're not wearing a mask, if if you're smiling, people are like, you're not smiling at me. I'm like, I have a mask, you don't know if I am or not. And so it's just, it seems like everybody's a little bit on edge because our world is in a state of chaos and quite honestly, they're not designed to handle chaos. They're designed to have system and order and as soon as things get off of their system, they kind of freak out a little bit. They kind of go a little crazy. And so, as I was reading this thing about leading through a crisis, here was a simple statement. He said, doubt increases with inaction. In other words, the longer you sit still, the more you start doubting the the ability to move forward. He said, clarity reveals itself in momentum. In other words, the the more momentum you get, the more clarity you receive. And then he said, growth comes from progress. In other words, as I keep moving forward and as things become clearer, I start to get stronger. As I start to progress, I start to get stronger. And then he said, for all of these reasons, because you know that doubt increases with that action, you know that clarity reveals itself in momentum, and you know that growth comes from progress, he said, for all these reasons, begin. In other words, don't sit still, begin and do something. So today, I want to take you to a very difficult scripture to find in the Bible. It's usually on your first page. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I think most of us have started there. Anybody ever started a one-year reading plan? Anybody ever stopped roughly around Genesis verse three and said, man, I, I really had a desire to start this plan and I just, I, I, I didn't complete it. I'm just gonna be honest, I've, I've done that. <laughs> and then had to resume it. How many, times, how many of you, let's put it this way, how many of you read Genesis chapter one verse one more than you've probably read Leviticus chapter seven verse two? Anybody else other than just me? Okay, so probably more because you go there, you start there with great intentions. And so I figured... During a time like this, I want it to be a, a verse that we could turn to very easily, one that we know, one that we're like, man, I'm desperate. I need to hear a word from God. Open up your first page, and after you get past, maybe you signed your marriage thing or whatever it is, but find that very first chapter, very first verse, and it simply says this. This is in the New King James Version, and it says, in the beginning, everybody say the beginning. Come on, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. I think we all know that. You know, the beginning's a good place to start. It's, it's really the only place you can start. But I, I, you know, a lot of us know verse number one, but I want to take you to the very next verse. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says something very unique. And God doesn't make a mistake. He says, in the earth was without form and it was void. In other words, it was empty. It was nothingness. And where it says it was without form, it literally means that it was chaotic. It, it didn't have a formation to it. It was just void and empty, and it didn't have form. It was chaos. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. There is a book, or a actually it's a theory. It's called Chaos Theory. And again, I'm a reader, so I read some weird stuff. My son's a lot like this. The other day, He came up to me and said, hey dad, I I got on YouTube and I figured out how to properly throw a cornhole bag. I didn't know there was a proper way to throw a cornhole bag, but apparently there is. And so he came up to me. So my kids come by this honestly wanting to know weird and strange facts. And so I wanted to know what chaos theory was. And so I looked it up and it's the idea that there's some form of order in chaos. And when it looks like there's just random nothingness, really there's a pattern behind it. And it's it's a theory that, basically, you've probably heard of the butterfly effect. In other words, if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere on the other side of the world, it creates a tsunami on this side of the world. In other words, one thing created another, took to another, took to another, and then boom, this happened because one small thing happened over here. In other words, it looks like it was just a random event, but there was really a a pattern or a process to it. And so they had this theory called chaos theory, and it's not really a provable theory. They just have this idea and this guesstimation. In other words, it's a theory. But as we look at the word of God, we see something here. We see that there is order that is brought out of chaos. I think it's interesting that God decided to start everything. He didn't start it when everything was together. He could have just said, hey, I want everything to be right now and just boom, everything was perfect and everything was created. No, he decided to start in a void and formless spot. He decided to begin all of creation, to begin his entire plan of existence. He started it out of chaos. And here you are in the middle of chaos. We're in the middle of 2020, and and God is sitting there going, hey, look, this is when I do my best work. This is not whenever I am messed up. This is not just per chance. This right now, this is the opportunity. This is when I get creative. And I, I would hope you understand this. You don't want to ever be in a place other than where God gets to have a chance to be creative. Because when God gets creative, man, some incredible things start to happen. All of a sudden, in the beginning, was it says right here, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the deep, and then God said, let there be light. There was never light until there was chaos. And all of a sudden, out of chaos, God said, let there be light. And God started creating one of the most dynamic things that's ever been created in the universe. He created light. And he did this right out of chaos. What is God going to create in you and start in you right now in the middle of what you think is a time of chaos? It's an awesome thing to really consider that God is gonna do something in the middle of all of this mess. In the middle of, I'm looking around right now. I got people afraid. I got people scared. You got friends who have COVID. You have, let me tell you something God is still in control. He never lost grasp. He's never surrendered his control. He's still in control. And you guys know my story. Most of you know I've had to deal with cancer. And that was eight years ago. I was brain cancer and I was supposed to be dead by now. But God is in control. It's like clap back. <laughs> God is in control. You've got to understand that. You've got to get your head wrapped around this, that God is in control. You know, one of the most calming things, and I said this this morning, but one of the most calming voicemails I ever got was Brother Hoffman. And I believe I've told some of you this before, but I got a phone call from Brother Hoffman the day I was diagnosed with cancer. And he didn't get a hold of me. He just left it on my voicemail, and he said, hey, Nathan, how you doing? He said, this is Harold. Didn't Brother, I know, I'm like, oh, no, this is Brother Hoffman. No, this is Harold. And he said, uh... I'm a firm, heard your nose, man, I'm sorry to hear this. He's like, but I'm a firm believer that if God's done with you, there ain't nothing you can do about it. You might as well just sit back and prepare to die. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like this, this is, this is my word of encouragement. Wonderful. Thank you, Brother Hoffman. And then he said, but if God's not done with you, there's nothing that can remove you. So you might as well Relax. And believe it or not, that was the most comforting thing I had heard that week. It was just the idea that, hey, your life might look like chaos, but God is in control. In the middle of chaos, he creates light. In the middle of destruction, he creates peace. God is in control. So I just want to remind you that today. It might look accidental, but God has a plan for everything. God has a plan for everything. Beginnings are important. Okay, there's a reason why God started out the way he did. Your Bible starts on the page it does. There's a reason for this. God is in control. And he wants you to know today that in the middle of chaos, God can bring order. In the middle of everybody going nuts at grocery stores, God can bring order. In the middle of everything just falling apart and and this person getting sick and this person getting sick and how are we gonna manage it? But we only have half the people in the church today and half the people are online. Let me tell you something, God is in control. He's got it all together. (laughs) Genesis says this about Abram. Genesis 13, verses 2-4 through in the New King James. He says this, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Beginnings are important. The way you start, it matters. It matters. The way God started, it mattered. And here was Abram. Let me give you that little background. Here was Abram, went into Egypt when he shouldn't have and starts lying about his, his wife being his sister and gets all worked up, gets his life into a complete mess and chaos. And then he said, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the altar, which I created in the first place. I'm gonna go back to where I first started and I'm gonna let God speak to me there. I'm gonna let God get some more order out of this chaos. See, God is in control. You know and as I'm saying that today I I just have a feeling that there's some people who just don't really know if they can believe that. As I'm saying it today I can feel this today and I didn't say this before but I can feel this today that there are some people that just don't really they believe it in their head they just don't feel it here. I feel like life is getting a little carried away and and you know people are all saying hey we're all in the same boat we're not in the same boat. We're all in the same storm but some people are getting paid if they go to work or not. Some people are getting more on their unemployment. Some people are not getting sick. And so we're not all in the same, but we're all in the same storm. But not everybody's in the same situation. And if you're not careful, you can let doubt and you can let fear and you can let anxiety start controlling everything. Controlling how you spend your life, who you spend time with. You can control your thought process. It can control your prayer life. It can control everything about yourself. And I'm here to tell you that doubt is dangerous. It just is. Doubt is dangerous. And I'm going to start off with that little thing, that little meme that I read on Facebook. And that is this. Number one, doubt increases with inaction. The more you doubt, the more you sit still and freeze. The more you wonder whether or not this will really work, the more you will find yourself doing nothing. And you've got to be very careful about doing nothing. And the reason I say that, James 1.6 says this, let him ask in faith with no doubting, nothing wavering. As another version says, nothing wavering. Let him ask with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. When you start letting doubt sink in, everything gets to you. Everything, every news report, every Facebook post, every Instagram message, everything starts to affect you. Be very careful about letting everything affect you. You gotta be careful about this. You got to get out of the news. You got to get off the internet. Sometimes you just need to put your face down on an altar and say, "God, I can't let this keep making me doubt. I can't let this keep driving my mind. I can't let this keep controlling my emotions. God, I will not doubt. I will. I'm just trying to help you here. I've been in places of doubt, and I'm telling you, it just doesn't do anything productive. It doesn't help you at all. Because doubt, as it increases, it, it it makes you where you just freeze." I don't know if anybody's ever been into this place. Maybe you've never dealt with anxiety, but anybody who's ever dealt with anxiety realizes, man, the more anxious you get, the more you just want to sit still. The more you just want to disappear into a room and just pretend that life isn't really existing. Doubt increases with inaction. There's a story in Matthew. Jesus, they see him and, 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 and Peter does something. Peter tries to walk on water. I'm sure you guys have heard this story. It says the disciples, when they saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, it is a ghost. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. In other words, stop. It says, do not be afraid. Stop doubting. Stop being so scared. And Peter said, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. So Peter literally steps out and Jesus says, all right, let's go. So Peter steps out, takes a foot, takes another one. And you know what? He did great until he started to doubt. When he started to doubt, so when he stopped moving forward, he started going downwards. There was a message that was preached at our church not too long ago by Sister Sarah Brooks. And she said, The whole message is move forward, keep going forward, keep going forward. And I'm telling you today the more you doubt, the more you'll sit still. Pray this that my faith fail me not. Pray this, that, God, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Start getting to a spot where you say, God, I'm tired of doubting you. I'm tired of wondering whether or not you're going to take care of me. I'm tired of wondering whether or not I'm going to survive all of this. God, help me to move forward. I'm, I'm going to encourage you today. Maybe this isn't, I'm telling you, I knew what kind of atmosphere I was going to walk into because I've been dealing with it myself as a pastor, right? I know people are a little anxious. They're a little bit on edge. It's, it's, it's okay, I put this out on on, on a post the other day, or not too long ago, I simply said this. I said, you know, we're living in a polarized society right now. In other words, you're either all this or you're all that. I mean, it is like people ripping each other apart, people tearing at each other's throats. We live in a very polarizing time. Let me tell you something, people watching online, it's okay, you're okay. People who decide to come to church today and be in the presence of God, you're okay. Okay, th- let me just help you out. You're okay. God's going to bring you through this. You're, you're going to grow in faith. You're going to increase in knowledge. You're going to become more and more spiritually mature. God's got this. It's okay. You're going to be fine. I don't know who needs to hear it today, but you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. You know, you're watching at home. I'm telling you, lift your hands up where you're at at home and worship and say, God, help me to grow spiritually. Help me to God's not going to be stopped by these four walls. God's going to continue to push us forward. We're going to keep increasing. We're going to see revival. People are going to be baptized in Jesus' name. People are going to be filled with the Spirit. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Keep moving forward, which takes me to the second point. And that is this, as you start moving forward, clarity reveals itself in momentum. The more momentum you get, you know, they they say this, it's amazing, a train that is stopped, a train that is not moved, can be held there by just a single brick. You can put a little block of wood in front of this train, and no matter how much power, no matter how much engine power and all that goes, it cannot move forward because it has zero momentum. You take that same train going 60 miles an hour, you put those bricks in front of it, those bricks are going to be shattered to pieces and it's just going to keep going. Because clarity reveals itself as you keep going forward. You cannot stand still, you cannot stop just because of a sickness, just because of a disease, just because, and I'm preaching out of experience, I can't let cancer stop me, I can't let sickness, I can't let seizures, there is nothing that can stop me. What can separate us from the love of God, nothing. Nothing. We keep moving forward. We keep pressing toward the mark. It's what we're called to do. So yes, you may be afraid. Pray, God, help me to relieve my fears. Courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is doing it in spite of fear. Get up and do it anyway. You might be nervous. Get up and do it anyway. Yeah. Keep going forward. Clarity starts revealing itself in forward momentum. Philippians, Paul says this to the church of Philippi. He says, not that I've already attained all of this. Philippians chapter three, and I'm going to read again out the NIV. says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold for me. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of anything, but this one thing I do, I'm telling you, when the Bible says this one thing I do, it's a good idea to pay attention. If, he's, if he boils it all down to this one narrow little point, you might want to Listen. He says, this one thing I do. He says, I forget the things which are behind. The glory years of first church are not behind you. This didn't stop anything. This simply got people more mature to go do the next thing that God has called us to do. It just simply said, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing some things. I'm gonna shake your little world. I'm gonna shake your little thought process to where you have to start praying for yourself. You can't depend on Brother Hoffman carrying you in prayer. You can't depend on Brother Neto carrying you in prayer. You can't depend on Brother John Gibbs getting up here and getting you amped up. You're gonna have to learn to do it for yourself. You forget the things which are behind, and you press forward toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. It's what you do. We go heavenward. This is what we do. We are, and you know, I'm telling you, as you get momentum, as you keep going forward, the picture gets brighter. It gets clearer. It gets sharper. It gets it gets more distinguished, where you can say, "Man, now I get it. Now I understand." So the things are supposed to do. Some of you have been sitting around going, man, I don't know what the next step is in my life. And the reason why you're wondering is because like, you're not moving forward. Sometimes you got to walk where you can't see. They talk about the African impala. It can, be tra- it can be caged in by a two-foot fence. It can jump 12 feet straight in the air, but it can be enclosed in a zoo in a two-foot fence because it will not jump where it doesn't see where its feet can land. Some of you, the reason why you are still trapped in and imprisoned in in your own little thought process is because you refuse to jump where you can't see where your feet can land. And God's sitting here going, hey, this is a different season. It's time to begin something fresh. It's time to begin something new. It's time to jump where you don't see the landing. It's time to get baptized regardless if you understand it all the way or not. It's time to lift your hands and surrender yourself to the spirit regardless if you think you can control it or not. It's time, it's time to begin something. It's time to witness to somebody, regardless of you think about the response. It's time to start praying with your family. It's time to find a random stranger start saying, God has a word for you, regardless of where you see if your feet are going to land or not. It's time to start something. This is not a time to freeze. This is a time to keep moving forward. Clarity reveals itself in momentum. And as you start moving forward, as you start pressing toward the mark, I was gonna pick on Kento, because I need him to press something. Can you do a push up still? All right, I had to make sure. He's old and married now. Do, do a push up for me. Look at this. You guys are like, what in the world is he doing? Do a push up for me. Look at that man. That was like too easy. I shouldn't have told him to do like 10. <laughs> Colin with those little arms. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what happens when you press? You get stronger. It's the way it works. As I push myself past my comfort zones, as I push myself past my limits, as I press toward the mark, growth comes from progress. As I push, as I press, I find myself getting stronger and stronger and stronger every time. It's amazing because the more I do it, the stronger I get. The more I press, it's not the weaker. Sometimes I think we feel like it's the opposite, that if I push myself to the limits, I'm just gonna exhaust myself. I love it. Brother Kinto asked me, he's like, are you tired? And I'm like, no. And the reason I'm not, why? Because I keep pushing myself. I keep pushing myself. I want to see what God has today. I don't want to just see what God has in the 915 service. I want to see what God has at the 1130 service. I want to see what God has. I want to see his glory fall. I I just want to keep pushing myself to see what God has. I just want to keep pushing myself. Why? Why do do we keep pushing ourselves? Because of your growth. Your spiritual growth comes from your progress. It is high time. It is high time for spiritual maturity to happen in the church. It is not enough that our forefathers learned how to pray. It is not enough that we give up an hour on Monday night and be like, woo, accomplished my work for this week. It is time to grow up beyond the elementary things and let God start doing a real work in our families and our lives and our minds and our cities and our church. It is time to grow up. People were starting churches when they were 16, 17 years old, just 70, 80 years ago. What in the world are we doing just sitting around as you're 28, 30 years old wondering what am I gonna do with my life? Do something. Do something. Do anything, move forward, and you're st- you'll start to grow. You'll start to mature. You'll start with saying, hey, look what I can do. Man, I can do more than I thought I could do. I'm stronger than I thought I was. Hebrews says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity. It's time to grow forward in maturity. What does it look like to be spiritually mature? I don't have the scripture written down, but Philippians, if you can find that for me, Philippians 1, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 6. I don't have it written in front of me, and so I don't want to... Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. He began. What's you see that scripture? He began something. Go to the next verse. It is meet for me to think all of this because you have in your heart so much of my bonds and defense... I think, you know, I think it might be verse nine. Keep going. Right here. And this I pray. He's talking to a spiritually mature church. This is not an immature church that he's speaking to. He's speaking, he's speaking to a, a first church. He's not talking to just a church plan. This is one that, this is one of the churches that supported him financially in his ministry. The only one that I think of that's recorded of him, them sending money so he could go do the work of the kingdom. Yeah, he prays for them. And he says this, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. He says, look, you're spiritually mature, but it's time for you to start loving people more. It's time for you to get out of of just your body. It's it's not time to sit back during COVID and say, I don't know about my neighbor. He might be sick. No, it's time for me to grow in my love. It's not time for me to stop and pull that back. I'm not of those who shrink back into perdition, right? I am of those who keep pressing forward. And so he says, look, you grow in your love. He says, I'm praying, this is spiritual maturity I'm praying for. I'm I'm praying for a spiritually mature church that they get more spiritually mature. He says, more and more in knowledge. He says, look, go study some more, grow more. And this word knowledge, it's not just head knowledge. It literally means an experience. I want you to experience God more. Some of you may have learned scriptures and said, man, I know the word of God, and I love God, and I've been reading. You know what? He doesn't want you just to have it here. He wants you to experience it. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. It's not just about knowing God. It's about knowing God. It's that same word that you use right there when the Bible says that Adam knew Eve. It was an intimate type of relationship. He says, look, I I need you to go past this, and I, I need you to grow, that you would grow more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Another word for this would be discernment. He says, look, I want you to get smarter. I want you to get wiser about how you discern what God is doing. I want you to be discerning what you're watching. Is this affecting me? I want you to discern how you're speaking. Is that gonna affect other people's lives? I want you to get the temperature of the room and say, hey, who do I need to pray for? Who do I need to reach into? He says, hey, it's time to grow up. If COVID has done anything, it said, hey, it's time to get past your your own little world and it's time to spiritually mature. And then go to the next verse. He says this. Go to verse number 10. That you may approve things that are excellent. So you can start judging what is excellent. That you might be sincere. You know what this word sincere right here means? It means without wax. I know that's a weird terminology. It means without wax. What they would do is they would have pottery and it would have cracks in it. And so, what they would do to sell that piece of pottery, they would fill it in with wax and try to sell you a broken piece. And so what they would do is they would hold it up to the sunlight to see if it was sincere or to see if it was without wax. And so he's saying, I'm praying for you that you don't have hypocrisy, that you're not saying, oh, I love God, I believe in his word, yet living like somebody who doesn't. Oh, I don't know why I'm off on this, but I'm just telling you, they may be sincere and without offense or blameless, that not only would you not be a hypocrite, but that you would keep trying to keep growing that you would keep growing, that you would be blameless. Not perfect, but say, hey, I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm pushing forward. Peter says it this way, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. And for all these reasons, for all of these reasons, and as you look back at it, because your doubt will increase with inactivity, because you will start getting more and more frustrated the longer you sit still. Listen, this is not a time. This is a time of chaos, and this is when God does his best work, okay? So don't, don't sit back in a time like this. Let God do what God does best, and that is work inside of chaos. How many of you have ever felt like your life was chaotic? Just be honest with you, man, my life's a little chaotic. I've got four children, okay? <laughs> life, it seems like it's always chaotic. But God does some of his best work in the middle Of chaos. So because of that, doubt increases with action. Clarity reveals itself in momentum. In other words, the farther I keep pushing forward, the clearer the picture gets, the more I understand what God wants out of my life. And growth comes out of that progress. And for all of these reasons, begin. Start something. I want our music to come. Here's the reality. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. In the beginning. It is more than the opening statement of the Bible. I want to help you with this. In the beginning is more than just an opening statement in the Word of God. It is a charge to begin yourself. I want you to do something this week. Just look at that first verse and say, God... What am I supposed to start? What are you asking me to begin? Because I can't sit still. I can't just do nothing. I had a young man come up to me this week. He's like, You know, I've never had a relationship with God, I've never even started the process. What am I supposed to do? I said, You're already doing it. You're talking to me. You began. And that's 90% of the problem. It's just once you get that first foot going, the next one's much easier to get going. This is why people with character, what they'll do is they pretend they don't see it. The reason I say character, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. People with character pretend. No, because if they say they acknowledge it, they have to do something about it because their character will compel them. Man, I got to do something. So what they do is they just never start. I've got home improvement projects at my house that I had let go for probably seven years. Man, I use the excuse of, oh, I'm sick, I'm a little weak. You can only milk that with your wife for so long before she says, well, then I'll get somebody else to do it. Oh, no, 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 it's my house. I gotta do it. And so I did something. I started, first of all, Madison comes home from college. 18 years old now. She goes upstairs, and while she was gone, my youngest daughter, eight years old, decided to uh, remodel her bedroom. You understand Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got a feisty personality. So while Madison was gone, the 18-year-old was gone to college, Madison goes upstairs, took all of her pictures off the wall. Said, this ain't your room anymore. You decided to go to college. I'm telling you, she walked up there, the that whole thing, dolls everywhere. The place was just upside down. Madison came in and her jaw just dropped. Like, we replaced her. (laughs) I can't believe you just let her take over my room. So Madison goes and goes, we need new paint. Hey, Dad. And Thus the, the remodeling projects began. We're in the middle of COVID. I was like, you know what? I've never had a time like I do right now to start something. So we started in Madison's room. Got it all patched and drywall, new paint, new couches and furniture and you name it, we had to go in and do it, futons or whatever it is. I don't know all the names for all this stuff. I just know I did it and I paid for it, definitely paid for it. So after that was done, the boys' room, I hadn't painted in 10 years, hadn't touched it. Oh my Lord, some of the stuff you find in a 12 and 16 year old's room when you haven't touched it in a long time, it's not a pleasant sight or experience. So we moved out the beds and there's old food and stuff tucked under things. I'm like, oh my Lord, this is, this is awful. So we started painting that room. Man, got cool gaming system lights all around the back of their TV screens that they use for their PS4s and all around the top of the ceilings we have cool LED lights that change colors. Well, that got my wife thinking, you know, the kitchen hasn't been done in a while. so so I go in there and the way the kitchen started is my my 8 year old opened a refrigerator door and the the door fell off I guess it was time to replace the refrigerator so here comes a new refrigerator this is how home improvement projects work by the way if you've never done one once you get started it's like another thing, another thing, another thing Right? this is why you don't start Right? you're like man if I start touching this I know what it is if I start Steve back there as a drywaller, you know, you know, once you pull one panel down, everything else is coming down eventually. It's just the way it works. So I repainted the kitchen, replaced the refrigerator. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. After that was done, Monica was like, oh, that looks so good. The bathroom ceiling's cracking, Nathan. <sighs> so I went in and I redid the bathroom repainted everything, remudded the ceilings. So much work. While I was doing that, we noticed a little hole in the ceiling, a little cracked paint in the ceiling in the, ba- uh, the living room. My wife goes, oh, just YouTube it. This is a simple thing. I don't know if you know this. You can't learn drywalling off of YouTube. Just, just call somebody who knows what they're doing. So got involved in that. My point is this. I had time to start something during COVID and it was just that forward momentum that started everything else. Just that one step into Madison's bedroom created the trickle down to Caleb and Micah's, created the trickle down to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to the living room, to the ceiling. I'm going to encourage you above all else, begin in the beginning. And you wonder, but right now is a time of chaos. Right now, how can I start a ministry? How can I start a prayer life? How can I start teaching a Bible study? People don't even want me in their homes right now. Everybody's sick. Meet at a park. Begin. This This is not maybe what you thought you would hear today. I don't know. Begin. Start something. Go forward. Because as long as you freeze and you don't move, your doubt will keep increasing. It's not going to get better just by sitting still. It gets better in your own mind, in your own vision. It gets better as you push forward. I want us to do something today. I want us to begin. Begin by coming to Monday night prayer. Oh, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Begin by coming to Monday night prayer. If you're nervous, pray outside. Be with the people. Begin. I don't know. It's been a long time. I, I've got this addiction. Begin. Call somebody. Call, call Pastor Neto. Call Pastor Hoffman. and say, "Hey, look, I'm dealing with this, and I've I've put it off for a very long time." Because I promise you, you start dealing with that issue, you'll start dealing with the next one. You'll start dealing next one, and you'll get clarity about what God wants you to keep doing as you move forward. Begin. And so I'm wondering if we could do something. Can we just begin today? Can we just stand to our feet. You know what God's been putting in your mind. You know the things you've been struggling with. You know the things you've been dealing with. You know the fears that are in your mind. You know the doubts that are in your heart. Begin. I promise you. I'm not going to apologize for it, but I promise you this. If you begin moving forward, you just watch what God does. You draw nigh unto him. He will draw nigh unto you. But you have to make the move. You have to begin the process. You have to. Here's the beautiful thing about God. The Bible says draw nigh unto him and he'll draw nigh to you. My step, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's footstool, right? He's trying to describe how big God is. It's not a literal footstool. It's trying to describe how big God is. Well, if I draw nigh unto God and he draws nigh unto me, Imagine how much distance he's closing in the process. All I've got to do is take a little step and all of a sudden, he more than makes up. It's not like we're doing equal parts. Like I'm running to him and he's running toward me. No, I start moving a little bit toward him. That, just the momentum forward. God comes rushing in. He meets you right where you're at. You say, this isn't a big motion. All I did was lift a hand. You lift a hand. God comes in and meets you where you're at because he's an incredible God. Whatever you're dealing with today, why don't you just lift up your hand. Whatever you're dealing with today, you say, God, I need a little bit of help. Watch God move in. He's a big God. He can handle it. You might have doubts right now. It's just going to keep increasing the longer you sit still. So start moving forward and watch God. Watch him more than me your expectations. Why don't we lift up our hands all over this place right now? Jesus, I am asking you, God, that you would minister in this place. God, that you would meet us right where we are, Lord. God, I'm asking you, Jesus, that you would let there be a clear picture start to take place as we draw nigh into you, God. Lord, I'm asking you, Jesus, that you would help us to increase it. we Maybe-